Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Coming up, we'll discuss why it's important not to jump to any big conclusions after just three games. Then we'll talk about who will finish runner-up to Stephen Kwan in the MVP race. You're listening to the Selfie is Godcast with Zach Meisel and TJ Zupi. Subscribe to Selby is Godcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unbelievable. More than a few people, Zach, have asked if we're going to need to change the name of this show. <laughs> I've seen suggestions range from anywhere between Quan is Godcast to Selby is Quancast. <sighs> I don't know. I don't think we've arrived at the name yet, but this dude's making a pretty good case why he should be the feature, the feature player on every show at this point. Wow. Yeah, some may call this a barbecue-fueled emergency quancast. Um, others may refer to it as a dream that TJ never could have imagined would become reality. When he waxed poetic about Quan's contact rate every day of the lockout. But here we are. And, I mean, I don't even know where to begin with this guy. Because he's doing things that, and I'm not, this isn't hyperbole. <laughs> and I can't believe I'm saying this. Three days into the season, he's doing things that nobody who has ever stepped foot on a major league field has ever done. And I said that to him after the game Sunday, and he looked at me like I just started speaking in tongues. <laughs> like he's, he doesn't even know what to say or think at this point. Um, he keeps saying he's floating, he's living a fever dream. I got to spend some time with me his too. parents. Yeah. <laughs> got to spend some time with his parents after the game, which was an absolute treat to learn more about him and, and their experience here. I, I, I mean, what, do you, what can you say about a guy who you had confidence in, but knowing he's a rookie and it's April and it's baseball, to be sitting here with his numbers looking the way they are, what is there to say? I'll just read you his slash line, and that'll do the talking. As we record this on Sunday night, I think you made the point on Twitter. He's getting to a point where getting base hits is not raising the average that much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's, he's, so he's slashing 800, 857, 1000. (laughs) Again, let me read that to you. 800, 857, 1000. I don't know if it was you. It might have been Mandy Bell. But somebody tweeted out the updated batting average for him, and I thought, 
I think it was when it was in the 700s. And when that popped up, I thought, man, for the past several years, if a Cleveland outfielder had put up an OPS, that's on base percentage plus slugging percentage, in the high 700s, you would have said, hey, this dude's not half bad. Stephen Kwan is hitting over 800 with his batting average. <laughs> that's it. His batting average. Unbelievable. Not even I could have expected this. But it does feel kind of good. I do kind of feel justified. And all the time I spent talking him up all off season, and I don't want to hear about small sample sizes. Did you did you need more than three games to know that Babe Ruth was an all time great? I, mean, I challenge you. He was pitching, and no one knew he could hit. <laughs> and I don't know. Maybe Stephen Kwan can do that too. This dude can do anything at this point. I'm just having a lot of fun watching it, to be honest. It's just taking the the analyst hat off for a minute. This has been incredible to watch here to begin the year. There are some players who go their entire careers without going 8 for 10 at some point. This guy's done it to start his career. Uh, he's the only player ever to reach base more than 10 times in his first three games. He's done it 12. Half of those came on Sunday where like he got a hit and then he got another hit. And then it was like, Oh my God, this guy's two for two today. And his, his all base percentage is like 600. This is nuts. And then he got another hit and you look up and it's still only the third inning. Um, it's, it's wild. And it's interesting. I mean, I look, I don't know that he's going to win rookie of the year. I don't know that he's going to, hit 300. I have no idea what his future holds, but the cool part is everyone is witnessing those attributes that we've talked about, that the experts have used to forecast why this guy can be successful. And it's just that you're seeing the absolute best of them immediately. And pitchers will adjust. They'll figure him out a little bit. Um, I think it says a lot mm. that... You sure? Terry Francona shifted him <laughs> to the number two spot after just one game. One game. One game. Well, and he even hinted that he might have considered it for the for opening day, but he just felt it was a lot to put on a rookie. So it's it's just cool. I mean, this is what has the inherent traits that make him that that got him to where he is now are that hand-eye coordination, which kind of learned the secret too. We can talk about that if you want. And the contact ability, the eye, just the strike zone awareness. And those have, I mean, those have been on full display, right? He's ahead in every count. He's drawn three walks. He hasn't swung and missed yet. You know, he hasn't struck out since Nam. I mean, it's everything that makes him the player he has been has just been on full display. And it's a treat to watch in a game where there's so many three true outcome players. He's the antithesis. Yeah, and even a few of our Patreon supporters had pointed out that this lineup can be more fun. It's easy to say that after they explode in the Sunday game against Kansas City. But it's more fun when you see a lineup that puts the ball in play a lot. Now, if it's in play to the shortstop, grounding out and hitting into double plays and weak fly balls to center field, have you really gained anything by putting the ball in play? 
debatable. But when they are putting the ball in play, it's a lot more fun to watch as opposed to a lineup that strikes out a ton. Um, and even in the case of Quan, to be serious here for a minute. Now, I mean, maybe I have been serious up to this point. I don't know what I am. <laughs> I, I'm kind of delirious when I'm watching him play. Some of the, the base hits that he has, it's just you know, good, good BABIP luck. The, the BABIP gods shining on him brightly. He has some ground balls through the infield, which a couple feet to the left or to the right, those turn into outs. But he's the type of hitter that will probably go through stretches where he just hits into some bad luck. The thing about him is he is going to put the ball in play a lot, so it's just going to raise his chances that one of them is going to find a hole. And he looks so difficult to defend. So you, as a pitcher, you know you're going to have to make good pitches to him because he's not going to do you any favors, at least here initially, what we've seen, and that's been pretty much his entire minor league career. He's good enough to wait on pitches and spoil them if they're not great pitches to put in play. It's, there's a difference between just fighting a pitch off to kind of survive long enough to find one that you really like. That's what Jose Ramirez does so tremendously well because he funnels them into the spot he wants. Everyone says, well, why do they throw him a fastball inside? It's because they've thrown it everywhere else and he's fouled it off or he's, you know, done enough that eventually the ball is going to leak to where he can do some damage. And Quan appears to be a, a heady enough hitter that he knows where he can do his damage. He's going to make life difficult for the pitchers. And he's using the entire field. Maybe in his career that'll change. Maybe he, he learns how to optimize pulled fly balls, and he turns that into being a 25 to 30 home run hitter. That could happen over his career. But right now, that's tough to defend. Like You can't pull infielders around to try to defend this guy. I've just enjoyed the hell out of watching him play. And uh, there are some players that come up and look like they're in over their heads from like minute number one. You know, unfortunately, Owen Miller has looked really good so far this year. But last year, boy, he, he looked like he did not belong. Not just in the numbers, but just in the body language. Stephen Kwan, the minute you had opening day, he looked like he belonged out. He was laying off tough pitches in his first at-bat. And it's like, this dude has just been doing this his whole life. So that's just been fun. The numbers are fun. The way he's played the game is fun. And the way he's, uh, he's ignited the fan base a little bit, even if it's three games. Absolutely fun. Do you want to know the secret? Should we tell everybody? Maybe you should whisper it so no one can hear. The secret is... Pinball. No, I don't know if you're being serious. Did you get that? I mean, I heard it. I just I don't know if I believe it. I think you're screwing with me. According to his parents, and semi-confirmed by him... Um, the key is pinball. His parents met in the 80s while playing pinball. And that's, that's incredible. They, they loved it. And they got Steven behind a pinball machine when he was three or four years old. And he loved it. And it turned into a competitive thing. And... They say, and, I, and it never dawned on me that this could even be a thing, but think about how that helps your hand-eye coordination. You know, you need to make sure you're pressing those buttons at exactly the right time when the ball is dropping toward the little flipper thingies. Um, it makes sense. So he has, I mean, we know hand-eye coordination is, his is just off the charts. That's why.
So parents, teach your kids how to play pinball. <laughs> yeah, how many times growing up did we hear from our parents, oh, put the video games away. That's not going to help you in your life. And then meanwhile, we've got Stephen Kwan's parents like, yeah, get out there. <laughs> Forget about school. Let's go, nerds. <laughs> go play some pinball. No, I don't know anything else about it other than what you just said, but that is funny, and I won't believe it until we see some pinball machines inside Cleveland's clubhouse. If that takes place, then I'll know there's something to it, and the front office buys into it. Yeah, but, but on a serious note, it, it's been fun watching him embrace all of this. You know, he said he's tried to stay away from social media as much as he can. He's extremely humble. He meditates every morning just so he stays grounded and doesn't... One, I mean, before opening day, he was woke up with a coughing fit and started thinking about, oh my God, I'm, I'm hitting seventh today. I'm starting in right field. It's my first day in a big league stadium. This is nerve-wracking. Um, so he meditates to try to minimize those thoughts and also just not getting, I don't know, too big for his britches, I guess. Uh, and and you, can, you can tell, I mean, it's, he's so down to earth. And we were talking to him today about the records he set. And I said, you know, he kept saying how he's floating and it's, it's like he's living a dream and it hasn't sunk in. It's all surreal. And I said, okay, well, what if I like threw a stat at you that like would just blow your mind, records you're setting? And he said, I can't even believe I'm standing here in Kansas City. So if you told me some stat like that, it'd probably just bounce right off me. And then I told him, well, you're the first, you just set a major league record for most times reaching base in your first three games. And he's like, huh, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, but like, just talking about how he goes five for five and like, what leads to that? Here's his answer. Just coincidence. <laughs> Variance. A lot of those <laughs> balls could have just been field or, fielded or caught. I had a ball clank off the pitcher. Hit by a pitch, that doesn't happen very often. That's just how baseball is. Tomorrow I could barrel up five balls and they'll all be outs. I just got lucky today. I mean, that's a guy who goes five for five, reaches base all six times in a 17 to three win. Eh, I just got lucky. <laughs> just coincidence. So it's cool watching him first just interact with teammates and starting to, I mean, you see teammates switching their profile pictures to, to pictures of him, um, watching him get involved in, there's an intense chess game every morning in the clubhouse and guys are talking trash and Hedges is going at everybody and to see Quan be part of that, even though he's the new guy. Um, it, it's just, you can tell how cool of an experience it is. And, and for it to happen here this weekend, when all of the rookies, Pilkington, Lavastida and Quan have huge gatherings in Kansas city because it's their debut. And for all three of them, they were all kind of surprised that they made the roster to varying degrees. So their families are all here, and they're just, you know, they like Pilkington's family knows, Pilkington knows, like he'll eventually go back down to AAA. He's never pitched there. Lavastida knows that when Luke Maley comes back, he's probably going back down. Um, and everybody understands that. And for Quan, it's like, you know, a week ago, he wasn't sure if he was going to make the roster, and now he's like the talk of <laughs> the league. So... It's just, it, it's crazy, and it, it's cool that he got to do that in front of his parents, his siblings, coaches, yeah. a bunch of friends. Um, it's, it's certainly a whirlwind stretch for him, but it'll be fun to see, you know, 
this just supplies you with so much confidence and you know you can do it. So let's see where this goes over the next 159 games. And to show you just how impactful he's been, we're now 15 minutes into the show and I still haven't said, hey, welcome to the Selby's Godcast. <laughs> I'm TJ, that's Zach, and we're here to talk about Stephen Kwan. No, it has been, uh, I, I don't know, all the emotions, fun, hilarious at times, hard to believe, uh, awe-inspiring. There are just so many ways to describe uh, the first three games, and I don't want to lose sight of the fact that, hey, Cleveland lost two of them. The offense disappeared for two of the games, and that absolutely exploded in the third one. But we haven't talked or at least gotten together for the podcast since Cleveland traded Bradley Zimmer. And I only bring it up, one, because we spent 72 shows talking about him last year, consecutive shows, by the way, and now we won't get to do that anymore. And we don't have to spend too much time on Bradley Zimmer, but in addition to turning something that didn't fit the roster into maybe something that will, we'll find out about the reliever they acquired. But to me, on top of the fact that you're seeing Stephen Kwan now hitting second, he still fits this roster after Josh Naylor returns from injury. And I think that's, I don't know if the Zimmer, uh, the, the presence of Bradley Zimmer would have changed that anyhow, but when you trade away Bradley Zimmer, it sure is a lot easier to keep Stephen Kwan around on top of the fact that he's, you know, slashing basically fire emoji, two fire emoji, three fire emoji at the moment. It's just, this is what the season's about. The guys who don't fit moving forward, send them packing. And for everybody else, capitalize on your opportunity. That's what this guy's done. I have a suspicion. I don't have 100% proof, but I'm pretty confident that Quan was not going to be in the lineup Sunday against a lefty. And... I think there were some changes made because he looked comfortable. And, I mean, he, he was the way he was getting on base, how do you take him out of the lineup? And then he goes and reaches base all six times on Sunday. How do you take him out of the lineup on Monday? So, kudos to him for taking advantage of an opportunity. Again, it's three games, but you see what that potential is. And you're like, okay, we might have something here. Credit to Owen Miller. Gets an opportunity. He didn't play much the first two games. Had a few hits. Drove in a bunch of runs. Like, that's someone I want to see more of. So, again, this is three games we're talking about. And you can't draw sweeping conclusions. I don't think you can just boot Yu Chang off the team yet. But it's guys like that. Guys like Bobby Bradley. You got to shit or get off the pot. Yeah, well, you said. Didn't, didn't, I mean, you said it's going to be a lot of riding the hot hand. Yep, And I said, what is the hot hand? It might only be two or three games. That might be enough to establish some sort of, of crack in the door for you to kick in. Maybe that is for Owen Miller. Maybe it's not. Maybe he stinks the next few games, and Yu Chang has a couple of good games. But that's what this season's going to be like, I think, at least for the first month or two, as they churn through some of the, the leftovers of the questions they had of, of 2021 before they start addressing new questions and guys they haven't seen yet here in 2022. And you mentioned it briefly, but you think about, and we've talked about this where we said, look, you know, you have Ramirez, you now have straw Reyes. Like that's sort of your foundation moving forward. Can you identify three, maybe even four hitters 
to complement that foundation, who you want, who you're excited about leaning on in 2023 and beyond. Maybe Quan becomes part of that equation. Uh, but think about the top of the order. And I don't, I don't know if Miles Straw is a long-term leadoff hitter. I think if you want to have a really, really good lineup, maybe he's hitting ninth. Just because he's, he's going to make a ton of contact, but he's not going to hit the ball hard. But for, for now, the way this lineup shapes up, when you start with Straw... Quan, Ramirez, those are three guys with elite contact rates, elite chase rates. They don't swing and miss. I mean, uh, that has got to be so annoying for the opposing pitcher. And we saw it today with Kansas City starter. He had gotten through those three hitters. All three reached base. He had thrown 17 pitches already. Ten of them balls, seven strikes. So it's just... For for and, and Kansas City actually kind of rode this sort of lineup to back-to-back World Series where you have a lot of contact, a lot of aggressiveness on the bases, the occasional power hitter. It can work. Be curious to see how it works maybe once the shift is gone next year too. But it's just that's I think that's a good foundation for a lineup when the top third are guys who are just gonna make life a living hell for the opposing pitcher. Yeah, and it's not just about the contact, I mean, they have to get on base. They have to make things happen with the contact they make. And that I think that's kind of what you're alluding to with Miles Straw. Now, if he's getting on base at like a 350 clip and he's swiping 35 to 40 bases, okay, <laughs> I, I might be fine with that in the leadoff spot. Depends on how the rest of the lineup looks. And, you know, I don't, I don't know who else would be suited for that role in the future. So it works for now. Uh, speaking of Straw, he is going to be here for a while. Because he inked an extension. It's extension season, everybody. Um, we didn't talk a lot about him being an, ex- an extension candidate, but it's it's one of those moves that after it happens, you say, yeah, sure. Well, you know, that, that makes a ton of sense for everybody. Um, he's, he's certainly not... Uh, you don't run the risk of him ever commanding some big hefty payday some, somewhere down the line. But similar to Emmanuel Classe, where you just gain the, the knowledge of what this guy's going to make, you have some ability to, you know, if he's really good and you want to keep him around beyond the extension, the, the, the five years, then you've got a chance to do that. And if you're, you're to a point where you feel better about your other options or uh, his defense or speed has slipped a little bit, and I mean, that's his biggest uh, factor that makes him a good ball player, then you have options down the, down the line that you can go in a different direction. And for him, he... Yeah. He's someone that didn't have an everyday spot as of this point last year. And now you know this is your home. You're going to be playing center field for Cleveland for the next several years, and you're going to get paid. So it makes total sense for him. It's just another one of those, of course. You know, why why didn't we think of that? Yeah, the the option years are pretty big in these sorts of deals because you get to 2027, and if you're not too confident in – the way his skill set might age, you don't have to pick it up. If someone else is, you could trade him. If he is key to your team and you don't have another center fielder in-house who you want to replace, you pay him $8 million bucks, And you pay him 8 and a half the next year. So it, it gives you flexibility. Uh, same thing with Class A. You know, it's hard to... There's not really much to criticize with these. They're pretty harmless 
deals for the most part. Um, and you can see what they're doing. I mean, they want a foundation. So now it's who, who are you building around them with? Yeah, I mean, it's nice to at least see some money committed on the books beyond the end of the season that you're currently in, too. I, you know, I, and it's another situation where it's not like, oh, man, I can't believe the team stepped up to do this. So the, the team was going to pl- pay these players regardless in the future as long as they were good. It's just you lock this in. And, and maybe it becomes a bargain because, you know, prices aren't going to be inflated in the future. You know, there's the cost certainty of knowing what that is going to be for the next several years. It's a different situation than Ramirez, where, I mean, you, you do take on some risk there. I don't think there's too much risk in either one of the, the Class A or, or Miles Straw extensions. But it's still, you know, it's it's the blueprint that this team, uh, I don't know, you do want to say they established it in the 90s? They were certainly one of the teams that were very willing to do this with key players that they positioned as part of their their foundation and if nothing else we can we we have a pretty good idea of what they think about some of these players and what their foundation is going to be they they wanted this to be a youth movement but now they have at least paid straw classe ramirez these are going to be here for a while and when you have that certainty of who's going to be playing where that allows you to start plugging in all those other spots now i gotta do with valera and rocchio a year from now right Sign them to extensions? Before they uh, get too expensive and they're dreaming of <laughs> $250 million paydays in free agency. Do you think there's anyone else on the Major League roster that we could see? Like these, They say it's there's the opening day deadline, but it's like they always kind of roll this all the way to the home opener. Is there anyone <laughs> else we could see surprised, surprising us? Maybe a pitcher... Is there anyone that would make sense from your perspective? I don't know enough about the non-Bieber starters to know who's going to blossom. Like, I think all four are have the ability to be frontline starters, or at least like number threes at worst. But I don't know who to trust. So I don't know... If I were the team, who I would go after. It, it, it's difficult. Okay, rank the starting rotation in how eager you would be to extend all of them. Nothing crazy. And maybe I'll throw Bieber out because that would, that would be kind of a crazy, not crazy that you would want to keep him around. But crazy I mean, Bieber would take a ton of money and I, just, I really don't think that's going to happen. So the let's other, concentrate on the other four. The other four, I'd probably go Savali, Quantrill, McKenzie, Plesak. Mm. I think McKenzie has on... the highest ceiling, but I think he has the lowest floor. And I think with past durability injury concerns, yeah. that would worry me a little bit. But also because of those things, maybe you could maybe it'd be easier to sign. Then again, he was a first round <laughs> pick. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm with you on the first two. I think it goes Savali, Plesak, 1-2. Wait, I said Quantrill. I, uh, yeah, sorry, Quantrill. Savali's probably the closest one where if he signed, if he was willing to sign something today, I would probably be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, he just feels like the safest 
bet of all of them. Maybe the lowest ceiling of all of them. And maybe that's unfair because dude's smart. Um, I think he's capable of, of getting better, uh, if nothing else, from a attack mindset perspective. Knowing how to attack hitters. But those last two, I, I'm with you on McKenzie just being a really difficult one to know. Like you're you're nowhere close to being ready to make that that move with him. Yeah. So are you signing everybody? Signing everybody. It's not my money. Not holding money for a free agent that's not gonna pop through the door. Who's that gonna be? Conforto. Not making any trade. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's, is he healthy? Can he play? That's I think a weird he retired. Thing. Did he retire? <laughs> like, uh, you find out, oh, there's an injury, and you know, he's not coming back till he's healthy. The whole thing kind of, I don't know, something about that is kind of scary. No less scary than your ace starting pitcher being down one and a half, two miles per hour on opening day. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I predicted his starts, Shane Bieber, they were going to feel a lot like some of those Kluber starts did where you're dissecting every single pitch. And what were we doing on opening day? Looking at his spin rate, which was down. Looking at his velocity, which was down. It's key to not just focus on what the average velocity was for the entire year. You want to look at what the velocity was on opening day last year. You want to try to find similar starts in weather temperatures that could be the same. <sighs> I get it, but I also I'm I'm also really annoyed by it. You're Mostly... annoyed. <laughs> I think he feels. Yeah. Well, I don't think he cares as much what any of us idiots say on Twitter. Well, that's why I phrased it the way I did. I said to him, "Are we making more out of your velocity than we should?" And he laughed. And he said, you asked me that same exact question last year when I pitched in a blizzard in Detroit on opening day. <laughs> yeah. And I said, yeah, but we used to dissect Corey Kluber's early starts the same way. And Hoinze used to dissect Bob Feller's opening day starts in the same <laughs> manner. So he didn't have a great answer. He just said, you know, he's not concerned. He's just going to do what he's got to do. Keep in mind, these guys had three spring training starts. And they're still building up. They are not 100%. Everybody says that pitchers typically go through a dead arm period, kind of late in spring training, and that might be now if it was a normal schedule. So I wouldn't read into it too much yet. If he's doing this three or four starts down the road, then it's something to monitor. But also, like, he was really, really effective, even throwing 90 yeah, see, that's <clears throat> that's the part that I, I'm annoyed by. And it's it's not an annoyance with any particular person that brings it up. I get it. He's coming off a shoulder injury. We spent many segments of this show talking about how it's not a unknown commodity. They can just say, oh, he's going to be exactly like he's been in the past. I don't know that. I have no way of knowing that. And it it might not even be something that could impact his performance on the field as much as it could scream that it's a potential injury waiting to happen all those things i completely acknowledge the other side of that coin is he was tremendous on opening day i mean he's still getting swings and misses he's still make befuddling guys the breaking ball he had 
was absolutely deadly. I mean, completely filthy. So uh, my, I think that my point to you was in, in text form, it could mean something. It could mean nothing. It could even be a boat. Hmm. You know how much you've wanted one of those. Uh, it is, it's impossible to know too much after one start. So I guess it's, for me, I can't control what anyone else does. And I'm not saying, again, it's not important, but it is just a little bit of overkill when I'm seeing it like in the first couple of innings of the first star. I just, I want more information before I start raising any huge red flags. I guess it's just one of those things that you file away for later and you come back and check on it within the first couple of starts, see if it's improved at all. Yeah. Uh, how about the starting rotation in general? I mean, you've gotten excellent starts from Bieber, Plesak, Quantra was pretty good. That's a good sign. And those guys were on pretty strict pitch counts and still pitched into the fifth, sixth inning. That's a good start. The bullpen is pretty rested early on. So uh, everything, well, I should say everything, but a lot has gone right. I mean, I know they only scored one run in the first two games, and that's obviously going to be the story of the season is hitters who are performing and who are not performing. But in terms of finding a few hitters who are off to good starts, like Quan, Miller, Clement, Ramirez, and the way the pitching staff's been, that's that's a good start. I, th- I think for me, I'm looking at individual performances more than I'm looking at team performances because this is a year of figuring things out. Who belongs and who doesn't? Even last year, to some degree, at the beginning of the year, it was always somewhere in the back of your head, like, uh, could this team be good enough to compete? And so every game was still viewed through the prism of wins and losses. This this season still is, but I'm with you where how I felt in July, August, and September of last year is kind of where I'm starting the year at this year. Well, yeah, the wins and losses, I mean, you're going to feel joy or pain as a fan watching either sides of that, and I completely get it. But as I'm watching it, I'm still f- more focused on, like, the development of Stephen Kwan, seeing <laughs> if Ahmed Rosario is going to catch a break at all in the outfield or if he's going <laughs> to constantly be battling wind and teammates and <laughs> a... a not so lengthy track record of playing in the outfield. Can he even be good enough to be playing out there on any sort of occasion? Because it didn't look good on opening day, I can tell you that. And that's a key because his ability to play elsewhere is how you're going to get other guys into the lineup. The pitching staff, Bieber, how he fares if if he is going to remain healthy. And there are so many things that I am focused on every day that make this an interesting team. But not an interesting, like... Ooh, let's see if they can get close enough to the White Sox. Interesting, like, let's see what the future for this team is. Yeah. I think everything changed when you signed Jose. I think fans rightfully can be frustrated that the team's in the spot to begin with. But I think you also bought yourself a little bit of time. Because now the focus is... Who can you surround him with? You know you will have your anchor. 
who's going to compliment him. I, I think do it helps so, it. and this isn't sorry. This isn't like, you know, this is not a. You can call it a rebuild. You can call it whatever you want, but the pitching staff is at a point where, and you want to capitalize on Jose being twenty nine. You know, so it's not like your sights are set on twenty twenty six. Your sights have to be. I mean, they can be set on now if you want, but they, realistically, I mean, they're set on twenty twenty three. This is. People who are not performing, get them out. You need answers. You need them quick. You have to capitalize on this pitching staff that is established, that is experienced, but is still young and therefore rather inexpensive. So you can put the pieces you need to around them. You just got to find out what you have in-house first. As far as it relates to Jose, do you think it helps if, like I made the joke, they start 0-2, and, and then the whispers start that Jose Ramirez could be traded before the extension happened. That would that would have felt to me a little bit kind of like the Lindor thing was, where it's like you can see the sand in the hourglass just draining away, and you're, you're feeling some sort of pressure mm-hmm. because you know that that clock is ticking. For Think Jose, about maybe... 2015. 2015, the team had high expectations, right? 2013, they go the wild card game. 2014, Nick Swisher passes out unfinished business t-shirts and the team doesn't get the job done. 2015 was like, we're coming back here. No excuses. Let's go. And they were terrible. They were 10 games under 500. And there was all that mounting pressure because you knew you had the ability less than two years ago to get to the playoffs, win 92 games. I'm like, where did that go? So you feel the pressure because you know push is going to come to shove and like something's going to happen. Right. And then they just trade every veteran. And what happens in the last two months? There's no Chris Johnson gets bit by a spider. (laughs) I thought that's Tom Holland. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I, but there's no pressure. And so you don't have that hanging over your head and they end up finishing 81 and 80. It's, it, it would have been the same thing. It would have been, that's all anyone's talking about. It would have been, it's April 30th, and like we're scratching and clawing to stay around 500, but we know our best player, the heart and soul of our team, the only guy fans seem to care about, is going to be traded in the next couple months. Yeah. And that's going to totally change the complexion of the franchise. Yeah, I, I think it, it removes so much of that noise, and I think it's, it's healthy for everybody. Speaking of noise, I can't wait till you get the hell out of that hotel. <laughs> You're telling me. <laughs> How do you sleep? Oh my god! Not it's just very well. It, it sounds like you are inside of the launcher, sending a shuttle into space. I mean, what is what is happening with the hotels in Kansas City? Oh, apologies. I try my best after the show to edit out as much of that as possible, but it is <laughs> it is not fun. What we has have been fun? Beautiful audio. Next mm. next podcast. Mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> don't don't say that. Um, what has been beautiful? What has been fun is the new thing we're doing with some of our Patreon supporters. Uh, you are not too familiar with Discord servers, and I I got you to warm up to those a little bit. But we've now got our own Selby's Godcast Discord server. And if you would like to partake, we now have like 
think cl close to 50 people since we launched it a day ago um, that have joined us over there at Discord. If you are a Patreon supporter and you didn't see the message that I dropped a few days ago on Patreon, go check it out in, in the posts. You can find the link. Come join us there. Uh, and if you're not a, a Patreon supporter, Zach and I, we've been trying to think of different ways to make this uh, a, f a fun, worthwhile thing for our listeners. Because we know, I mean, you could say, oh, it's only a dollar per episode. What's the big deal? I mean, it's a dollar. I, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm still shocked that people click on play for free to listen to us talk. And we thank you so much if you have become a Patreon supporter, because the only reason, like the free episode that we do, we this is really only because of the Patreon supporters that make that extra show possible. Otherwise, I don't know if we could do this as consistently as we do, uh, but we still do. And a largely thanks to the Patreon supporters. So we thought, what would be a fun way to kind of make it more worthwhile than just getting the additional episode per week? Discord server. What have you been? What have you uh, been your experience so far in the Discord server? People asking for podcast merch, <laughs> yes. which we would love to do, but we don't want to uh, step on Hayden Grove's toes. I know he's got his new line out there. Woo! So um, maybe eventually we'll get into that game. Uh, look, I'll be honest. The home baseball slate begins this week. Uh, I did have a couple people reach out and say they're not in Kansas City for this series, but I will be buying them a beer next time. The team is in Kansas City. I can't wait for that. Uh, but I'm well aware I'm going to have people trying to track me down, starting with this homestand that begins this weekend. So what's the easiest way to do that? If you join the Discord, you can pretty much reach me directly. So that's an easy way to set something up. I'm happy to buy you a beer if you're a Patreon supporter. If you leave us a five-star review. Um, so it's been fun. You know, it's, it's, we've, the big thing is we've wanted to build a community. And I think we're on the way to doing that. I like what we've got so far. I think this takes it to another level. You know, we have people, different threads you can join and, during the game, people are interacting and just chiming in with their thoughts as things are happening. And before the game, people were clamoring to see what the lineup was going to be, if Quan and Lavastida were going to be in there, and, um, talking about rumors, and we were messaging about the, the straw extension right when it happened. So uh, it, it's a definitely a fun way to just be involved and interact with people who maybe have as much interest in the team as you might. Yeah, you got to be there for every emoji I'm going to drop for every Quan base hit. And he's on pace for, what, like 300 hits at this point this year? So. Yeah, I mean, you're going to run out of eggplants pretty soon. <laughs> oh, that's gross. Maybe. Is there a pin? <laughs> I can only do that, like, once or twice in off-season slash early season. Uh is there a pinball emoji? I don't know. I'm gonna have he's to take the pinball a look. wizard. I guess whatever works, man. Um, he's also pinball Pac-Man, chess, huh? Yeah. And that's and now he's taking closing over. In on... Yeah, chess has taken over, and there's some card game with lots of cash flying around. And mm. I don't know. There's there's a lot going on. Speaking of cash, how's the fantasy league going for you? 
Oh wait, this is the guy that forgot to set his lineup on day two. <laughs> day two, I lo- I missed out on a Shane McClanahan dominant start, John Means dominant start. So I woke up on day three in last place. Um, but we're 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 working our way up. We had to set some reminders on the phone every morning now. Yeah, get the app. It'll give you some uh, notifications. But that's another fun thing we do for our Patreon supporters. Uh, we uh, launch fantasy baseball football leagues. So come join us over at Patreon, patreon.com slash Guidecast. I know the last five minutes have morphed into a, uh, an infomercial, but whatever. Yeah, think of, it's our think, show. Screw you. Our Patreon supporters as uh, sweet holders at Progressive Field, right? Not non-existent. <laughs> Where are they? We appreciate them more. No, just kidding. Uh, uh, we appreciate okay. anyone who listens. Get out of here before we get into trouble. Uh, any parting words? No, I've said too much. <laughs> Anything else you want me to edit out? Uh, Q39 in Kansas City. Shout out if you ever make this trip. That's. As good as it gets, Oklahoma Joe's or Joe's KC, whatever it's called now, is probably the golden standard. But if it's too long of a line, go to Q39. And you know what else is the golden standard? Well, I was going to say us as a podcast, but you, the listeners, we love all of you. And you know what? We also love that there are many other Cleveland podcasts and and places where you can react. Covering the Corner. Locked on Guardians, Cleveland.com baseball podcast, Guardians Baseball Insider, all of our friends, the more content, the better. The Dairy Brothers. Every one of you. The da- Yes. How could I forget? Yes. The more content, the better. So we love all of you. We're out of here. See you.